We're doing a series, a summer series, and just as I hit it, summer seems to have disappeared. It's, um, this is real summer. This is the summer. Okay, yeah, that, that's true. This really is the summer. Um, so we're doing a summer series on the I Am sayings of Jesus uh, from the book of John. And today we are looking at when Jesus said, I am. Now, depending on the translation that you are reading from will depend on whether it says gate or door. If you're reading from the NIV, it will say gate. Every other version says door. So this morning I'm going to be saying door probably, but you might hear me say gate occasionally. It is interchangeable. It doesn't really make too much difference. So um, this morning we're looking at I am the door, which is what Jesus said. And we're looking at that from John chapter 10. Um, And I'm going to read verses 1 to 10, even though it's just a few words we're looking at. I wanted to read the uh, verses around it to give us the context in which this is being said, because that's really, really important to understand the context that Jesus was saying this in, not just those few words. So John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, the words will come up on the screen Um, But as always, I'm not quite sure how big they're going to be. Um, So we'll say, oh yeah, not too bad. They're reasonably readable. But I'll read this, John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 to 10. Now I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Truly, truly, and these are the words of Jesus, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Paintings are amazing things. We see lots of different paintings that artists uh, put on canvas or in all sorts of other ways. Some are pretty straightforward. You see a painting and you'll go, yeah, I know what that is. That's obvious. I can see it. Others have more meaning. They've got more depth. They convey something else that needs explanation. Jesus' words are like this. They're like a painting. He's painting a picture. And just a few words actually need more explanation because there is so much behind them. There is so much richness in them. There is so much to look at. And in these, all of these I am sayings of Jesus, they are like pictures being painted. They're like a series of pictures. And we're looking at these pictures, these paintings over the summer. And as we look at this one, I am the door or I am the gate. We need to look at that because while on the face of it, it could seem quite simple. There's actually a lot to this. 
And so hopefully like a, a good painting, we'll paint a picture from Jesus' words this morning. But before we look at the actual door and what that means, we need to look at some of the context that it's in, because that gives it a lot more sense. Uh, The door and the gate that's spoken of here is in the context of Jesus talking about a shepherd and his flock. Now, a sheepfold in Middle Eastern times would look a bit like this. Should be a picture. On the screen, there should be, hopefully, hopefully a picture. <laughs> it's not changing, is it? <laughs> okay. So a sheepfold in Middle Eastern times would look like a pile of stone in a, in a circle. It will come up eventually, I'm sure. And in that stone circle would be a gap. And they were often built into the hillside. They sometimes had shelter over the top of them. Now, I'm painting a picture here, which a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm not going to spend a thousand words telling you what it's like. Um, and what would happen is the, the shepherd would drive the sheep into the, um, into the sheepfold often at night. And those sheepfolds could be used by any of the shepherds that have to. Hey, well done. Thank you. So here it is. This is the kind of thing, so there's that circle of stones built into the hillside there, and there's the doorway to get the sheep in. And uh, this, any shepherd could use one of these on the hillside, he'd drive the sheep in at night to protect them. You'll notice that there's no door or gate on that, and we'll come to that later, because there is a significance there that we will see. What you also need to know in, the, in this context is that this is not just, as Jesus talks about this, he's talking about a flock of sheep. This is not just something to be applied individually. This is something that's corporate. When I say corporate, I don't mean that in a business sense. I mean as in a all of us sense, in a family sense. As we look at this, think about it in the context of a church family, of the flock, of the family, because it's not just individualistic. I did a bit of research into sheep as I was looking at this because I was going to make a statement and then I thought I'd better find out if that's true. I think it is, but I better check. Sheep cannot be kept on their own. They are a flock animal. They are made to be together. If you keep a sheep on its own, it's it's cruel. It's considered to be very cruel. They get stressed, they become ill and they can die. And it's the same with us. We are made to be a flock creature. We are made to flock together, to be together, to be in a family. If we're kept on our own, our faith can die. It can shrivel up. It can just go nowhere. Now, obviously, there are stories of people who have been imprisoned and kept on their own, and God sustains them. But that's not the norm. The norm is for us to be together, not on our own. It's a good thing for us to be together. So predominantly, as we look at this, we're looking at this in the context of us as a family, as a flock of sheep together. Now, another thing to notice is that these sayings almost have a double meaning. So today we're looking at I am the door. But if you were here when um, when Steve Wicking spoke, uh, kicked off the series from John 8:58, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, in saying, I am the door, Jesus is giving us a particular 
characteristic of himself. But, and he's using the words as I am like anyone else would. So I can say, I am Paul. I am a cyclist. I knew I'd get a hobby in somewhere. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, I am the door. But he's also saying something else here. Because if you remember, Steve told us that I am is a name for God. So actually what Jesus is saying, he's reinforcing that not only am I the door, but I am God. I am one with the Father. This is a reinforcement of who he is. And the fact that he shares these characteristics with God. I I and the Father are one, Jesus said. He's indistinguishable. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So not not only is he saying, I have this individual characteristic, he's also saying, remember... Just who I am. And that's important to understand as well as we look at this. So let's get to this particular saying. I'm going to look at this in four. There's going to be four main things that we're going to look at. And I think I've got those listed uh, on the next slide. The door as the way in. The door as security. The door to the kingdom, but not removed. I'll explain that, obviously. And the door to abundance. Those are the four things that we're going to look at this morning. So firstly, the door as the way in. One of the key words in today's society is tolerance. You'll have heard it everywhere. Tolerance. The problem we've got is those who shout loudest about tolerance are normally only tolerant if you share their view on tolerance. It doesn't work, does it? It really doesn't work. I will tolerate you as long as you agree with me. Okay? I will tolerate you as long as your opinion isn't too far out there. But in a society that seems to shun moral absolutes, there is no way to say what should or shouldn't be tolerated. It doesn't work. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was very certain about what, about who he was and about what was right and what was wrong. So in this instance, Jesus said, I am the door. He didn't say, I could be the door. He didn't say, I am a door. And he didn't say, I'm one of many doors. He said, I am the door. No other door. I am the door. And what Jesus is saying here is the same thing as he said in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, John, uh, Joe, sorry, he's going to look at that later in the summer because that's another of the I am sayings. But it's, he's, Jesus is saying the same thing. I am the way to the Father. I am the door. I am the way to the Father. So this door as the way in is the door is the way in to the Father, to God. He's saying, I'm the only one. It is by Jesus that we can approach God. But how can Jesus say that? Why is he saying that? How is it that through Jesus we can approach God? Well, it's like this. We are all fallen. We've all fallen short of God's standard. None of us can match it. Don't worry, it gets better from here. But so far, at this point, none of us are matching God's standard. We can't do it. Now, people don't like to hear that because it's not very tolerant. 
what we tend to do as people is compare ourselves to others. But have you noticed when we compare ourselves to others, we always compare ourselves to someone that makes sure we look good. Which is why people don't like comparing themselves to God because it automatically makes them look bad. So I might compare myself to someone who hurts other people because that makes me look good because I don't do that. That's the way we work. That's what we do. The problem is, God's standard says you compare yourselves to me, so all of you fall short. You see, the Bible teaches that God's standard is 100%, 100% perfect, pure, matching God. Even 99% is falling short of God's standard. It might be a good 99%, but that 1% makes all the difference. Now, I was going to do another illustration, but I forgot to bring, I just forgot to bring something with me. Um, and I've done this on the Alpha course as well, where I'd get a cup of coffee black coffee, because that's what I like, say this is a pure and perfect cup of coffee. Just have to imagine it, because we don't have coffee till after. (laughs) Unless you get one on the way here like I did. Um, You've got your cup of coffee, and then what I do is just get a couple of grains of salt and drop it in the coffee. It's mostly coffee. It's mostly okay. But I'm not going to drink it, because it's not good. It's gone wrong. It's all wrong. That couple of grains of salt ruin the whole cup of coffee and I don't drink it that's what it's like in falling short of God's standard it's like saying I've got a nearly clean driving license actually mine is clean but you can't have a nearly clean driving license it's either clean or it's not it doesn't matter how many offences are on it, it's either clean or it's not and I can see some people elbowing each other about clean and not driving licences that I won't I won't draw any attention to that, obviously. Um, It can't be nearly clean. It's either clean or it's not. The problem is being unable to meet God's standard means you're not allowed into his presence. But there is good news. Because there's a door into God's presence. And this is why Jesus was saying, I am the door. He's saying, I am the door to the Father. I am the way to the Father. I am the door into his presence. We know that. We read it. That's what the Bible says. But what we have to understand is there is only one door. And that is Jesus. Now, if you're telling other people about this who aren't Christians, you may want to express it slightly differently than I'm expressing it now. But actually, all other faiths, all other religions do not lead to the true one living God. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. It sounds intolerant. It's what the Bible teaches and it's what we stand on and we must not compromise on that. Because it's the truth. Jesus says that he is the door. Why can Jesus be the door? Why is he the door? Because Jesus met God's standard. Jesus met God's standard in a way that none of us can. He hit the 100%. But do you know what he did? You see, with us not matching God's standard, it meant that God in his justice has to punish us with the death penalty. But Jesus said, you know what, I'll take that for you. I will die in your place. I will take the death that you deserved. And I will take it in your place. 
So not only did Jesus live a perfect life, but he also died the criminal's death in our place. Which is why he can say, come to me and I am the door. You see, God, uh, Jesus met God's standard. He took on the punishment that we deserved. And in doing that, is righteous and then gave that righteousness to us. We often call it imputed. It, it's given to us. It's transferred to us. We stand in the good of what Jesus has done. He gave us his righteousness. And so when God looks and sees that we've missed the standard, he doesn't see that. He sees that Jesus has and says, come through the door into my presence. It's good news, isn't it? It's good news. And it's the only way. It's the only way. Always has been the only way. Always will be the only way to God the Father is through the, what Jesus has done for us. That's why Jesus can say, I am the door. Now, obviously, that bit sounds that's a very personal thing, isn't it? It's, it's a very, you know, we approach Jesus. Uh, we, we, uh, we gain his righteousness so we can go through the door and into the presence of the Father. But, of course, we don't do that alone. We're part of a flock. We become part of the family of God as we do that. We weren't created to be alone. And so we come into God's family as we do that, with all of the benefits that that provides us with. And I'll talk more about that later. So Jesus is the door. And the door as the way in. But also the door provides security. So uh, back, sorry about changing the slides. It's obviously causing some trouble. If you can go to the picture of, I think there's a sheepfold picture again. Yay, well done. Fantastic. So like I said, there's no door there. So the sheep go in. And yet there's an empty doorway. Jesus said, I am the door. We enter the sheepfold. That's a picture of us entering the family of God, becoming his. And it's thought that common practice was that as the shepherd would drive the sheep into the sheepfold, once they were all in, he would then sleep in the doorway and become the door so nothing else could get in and attack the sheep. He would lie across the entrance and he would become the gateway, the gate, the door. This talks to us about the security of belonging to Jesus. He becomes our security. What I mean by that is this, that we can have security that once we belong to Jesus, then no one can snatch us out of his hand. John chapter 10 verses 28 to 30 say this, and these are the words of Jesus. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He's talking about us. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So in Jesus being the doorway and doing all the work for us, it means that we can't come to God on our own terms. There is nothing we can do to gain God's acceptance. There's nothing we can do to be saved. It's what Jesus has done for us. But the same applies to this. There is nothing we can do to be snatched out of God's hand. 
we are secure. So if there's nothing you can do to gain God's acceptance, there's nothing you can do to upset him enough to get you kicked out. You are saved by grace. That is the grace of God. God's grace says there's nothing you can do to earn it. But guess what? Once you're in, God's got you. He's holding you. He's keeping you. There's nothing you can do to be snatched out of God's hand. How good does that make you feel? It's good, isn't it? So when you get things wrong, and I know most of you don't, but I often do. Okay, when we get things wrong, we can just come back to God because he says, you know what, there's nothing, there's nothing you did to get you here before, so there's nothing you can do to keep you outside. Mm-hmm. You're still in. You're still in the sheepfold. You're still part of the family. And that will never change. We've been made children of God, and that's not going to be undone. It's complete safety, complete security. We can approach the throne of God. We can approach the Father. We can be in his presence with complete confidence. Do you know what? It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter whether you sinned. You come back to God in full assurance that you're accepted because Jesus' work is the same yesterday, today and forever because we come to God on the basis of what Jesus has done, not on the basis of what we've done. And that's what gives us the security because what Jesus has done will never be changed. It's good forever. You've got a pass that says entry into the presence of God, valid for eternity. Never revoked. Always there. So there's security. There's a way in and there's security. So what next? There's more about this door. And I've called this part the door to the kingdom, but not removed. It doesn't make much sense on its own, so I'll explain it. Verse 9 of the passage we read says uh, that we will go in and out and find pasture. You see, we're taken into the sheepfold, but what we need to make sure is once we're in and we're safe and secure, that we don't get the mindset that that's it, that we have this huddle that's protected and stays on its own, And doesn't go anywhere else or do anything else. Because that would be the wrong picture to get from this. We're not stuck in the sheepfold. We have a mission. We are to go out from the sheepfold and signpost others to the sheepfold. We are here to show others the way. We are not the door, but we are the signposts to the door. The experience we've had, the relationship that we have with God, the assurance of what it says here is finding pasture, which is security and provision. All that we have, we need to make known to others. All that God has done in your life is for you, but not just for you. It is there as a big glowing sign that says this is the way to the door. This is the person who is the door. And there's a way in for you too. I was on a, a night out. One of the guys at work was leaving, so we, we went out. And um, we're all sitting in a bar. And um, he turned to me, bearing in mind he'd had, a drink or, he'd had a drink or two by now. I was jumping in the car after, the, after that and going home. But uh, he turned to me. And I don't remember sharing my faith with him particularly, but 
I don't know, I talked to everybody about everything. So I, I must have said something to him at some point or he, he understood that I, uh, something about my faith. And he was leaving and he, he was going to a new job, but he was all a bit unsure about it. And he turned to me and he said, it's all right for you. You've got guidance. Wow. It took me aback a little bit. And he's right. I have got guidance for my life. But at that moment, you have to turn and say, and be a signpost and say, yes, I have. But it's not just for me. You can have it too. It's there for you. You can have it. And um, I think he lost interest in the conversation about that point. But, you know, you've got to try, haven't you? You've got to try. And um, you've got to try and not be discouraged as well. Uh, it, it's it's often easy to be discouraged when people bring things up and you think, great, here we go. And then it doesn't go anywhere and you think, what was that all about? But you just never know. You never know when someone has had something mentioned to them and then someone mentions something else. And it's often, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about this, it's not in my notes, but um, it's often uh, pictured as a, just a chain link fence yeah. and you become a, a link in the chain towards them ultimately knowing Jesus. And one day, sometimes, you might be the last link in the chain, and that's the best place to be. But actually, you wouldn't be there unless other people had been links in that chain too. So it's just really important. So that conversation never went anywhere. Um, But actually, it's important for us to be the signpost to the kingdom, to Jesus. And we're on the front line like that. That's where we're called to be. We're not called to be huddled away with our church family, which is lovely, but ultimately not where we're meant to be. We're meant to be in the kingdom, but actually not withdrawn. We don't withdraw from the world. We're out there in the world, signposting others to the doorway. Seeing the kingdom of God advance, taking every opportunity to point people to the door. Yes, we're set apart. Yes, we're God's people. But we're not withdrawn from the world. But there are times. And and Esther hinted at this, too, actually, in what she talked about this morning uh, from Psalm 63 and, and 73. There are times when we need to withdraw. There are times when we need to. Withdraw into the sheepfold. There are times when we've been in the battle. We've been out on the front line. For whatever reason, we've got hurt, we've got burned, we've crashed. Whatever it is. And actually at those times, sometimes you don't even realise you're in the sheepfold. You just think, I'm done. (laughs) I'm beaten up. I'm knocked about. I'm bruised. I've been knocked down. What we don't realise is at that point... Jesus has brought us into the sheepfold for that cooling off period, that protection, that time out. And so sometimes it is right to withdraw into the sheepfold. The passage that we read says um, there are robbers and thieves around. And so that retreat into the cool shade of the sheepfold, whether you know that's where you are at the time, or whether it just feels like a dark place. It's needed. Jesus did it. Jesus withdrew. Jesus spent times out. We need to do it as well. And um, it helps you recover. It helps you recover. 
Some of you will know our story as we came here and we got here a few years ago feeling pretty battered and beaten up and bruised and knocked down and and all the rest of it. Um, And I can tell you from experience that when you withdraw and take time, you do recover. You do recover. And you recover and you get ready to go again. There's always a going again. That, re, that, re, that retreat, that, that time out is not permanent. Please don't ever think it's permanent. Please don't write yourself off if you've been knocked down. Because you will recover and you will go again. But not only do you go again, you go again in a better way. Because what's happened is, and you don't realise this at the time, it's amazing. When you do then go again, you think, oh, it's different. I've learned lots from what happened before. I got knocked down, I got hurt, I got bruised, whatever it happens to be for you. I retreated, I recovered, and I've learned from what went on before, and I've been strengthened by it. You know, when you exercise um, and exercise hard, what happens is you, you get lots of little tears in the muscle. Your muscles break down slightly. But the reason for that is that they can then repair again. So you then recover, you rest, you recover, they repair again, but they repair stronger. And every time you do it, they repair stronger. That's how you get better in sport. That's what happens to us. We repair in a stronger way. There's always hope. There's always hope. So when you've taken time out, when you've withdrawn slightly, don't worry about it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But get ready to go again. But remember, when you've withdrawn into the sheepfold, there are other sheep there. Because we're part of a family. There's a togetherness in this. So when you're there, you're withdrawn, you've come out, you've taken time out, it's time to regroup. There are others around you. You're not on your own. There are others encouraging you. Standing with you, sharing experiences with you, encouraging you from where they've been. Don't ever try and recover on your own. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You've got to recover with others. You've got to be around others. However painful that might seem, you need other people. We need one another. And that's really, really important. But the question is, why do we go again? I'm saying, actually, we recover and then we go again. Why? Isn't it just easier just to give up? Isn't it just easier to take time out and put your feet up? Feels like it sometimes. It really does. But we go again because there is no higher calling than doing the work of our Father. Whatever that might be for you, there is nothing better than serving God. Nothing. We go again partly because we can't help it. Because we're compelled to, to, to do what God has called us to do. And that might be different things for you. That might be the workplace. It might be school. It might be university. It might be talking to people at the school gate. You know, we've got friends that go back, I don't know, how many years? 13, 14 years. Because Pam met them at the school gate. It was great because I'm rubbish at meeting people. But Pam would do it. We'd make friends with them. I've got friends now that, that I spend more time with than many other people because that's how we met them. You know, 
we, whatever your calling is, wherever God's put you, that's what he's calling you to do. So you might think, well, God hasn't called me to anything because we're thinking something big and grand going abroad. and It might be that. But actually, for most of us, it's just where we are right now. That's where we are. So if you're in a situation, so I'm, I'm in a, sometimes wonder how much to say because it's being recorded. But I don't think anyone from work listens to this. I don't mind if they do, actually. They might. You never know. Um, that'd be fun. Um, I kind of hope they do. I'm in a situation at work where I'd quite like to leave. It's just, it's just not a great place to be a lot of the time. I work with some lovely people. Um, <laughs> but there are just issues with, with, with it all. But you know what? I've got to accept that's where God's put me right now. That's where he's called me to be. So for now, right now, that is my calling. That is where God wants me to be. So that's where I work. That's what I do. Those are the people I mix with. Those are the people I influence. Those are the people I am a signpost to the door for. That's what I'm there for. If that's all I'm there for, that's good enough. I'm there to say, there's Jesus. He's the door. He's who you need. That's, that's it. So that's where you're called to. That is your calling. So if you get knocked down, if you've been hurt, if you're recovering, that's fine. But get ready to go again because you have to go again. But remember, there is no burden of responsibility on you to save people. God does it. God saves. You point. It's kind of easy. We get a good deal, don't we? We point to Jesus. He saves people. You know, there's no burden for us on, on us for this. So we've looked at the door as the way in. We've looked at the door as security. We've looked just now at the door to the kingdom, but we're not removed from the world. And finally, we look at the door to abundance. Verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We have an enemy. And he loves it when we hit those hard times. And he wants to steal and destroy your faith. But remember the security. He cannot snatch us out of the Father's hand. There is nothing our enemy can do to take away your salvation, to take you out of God's hands. He is utterly powerless in that respect. But we're not called just to struggle through life. Sometimes it feels like it. But we're not called to struggle through life. We're called to an abundant life. Now, I have to be completely honest with you. I often don't feel like I'm living an abundant life. It doesn't feel like it, does it, a lot of the time? Does it? Or is, I don't know, have you all got it and I haven't? I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like that a lot of the time. Monday morning, I'm in the car. I'm driving to Cheltenham to the office. I'm thinking, oh. It doesn't feel abundant to me. That's probably because I have a bad attitude about sitting in the car and driving to the office. I don't always feel like it. But you know what? I look back at my life and I think it has a lot of blessing there. There's a lot of blessing there. Huge amount of blessing there. 
I mean, how many things have I got to be grateful for? And my children are waving at me. Me? You've got to be grateful for me. All of my children are here today. And my parents are here today. I can be massively grateful to God for my parents. They are amazing. They are wonderful. I... I'm just saying that so my dad doesn't critique my preaching too much because he's a great preacher. No, I'm not really saying it for that. But I have a huge amount to be grateful for. And I look and I think, and I've said this before. I think I probably said it last time. So it's a bit of a soapbox. So I apologize. But why is it we just focus on the hard things all the time? They seem to be magnified in our sights, don't they? When actually... We've got so much to be grateful for. I am so fast, so quick to look at the things that are going wrong and not all the stuff that's going right. Okay, so I'm a bit grumpy about my job. They pay me. Stop being so grumpy. I've got some genuinely great colleagues. Don't be grumpy about that. I come home to a nice house, food on the table, a lovely wife, great children. Uh, I mean... Most of the time they're great. No, they are great. (laughs) I don't want them to get carried away, you know. There's still room for improvement for all of us. (laughs) For all of us. (laughs) I'm sorry. They won't be visiting again, will they? The thing is, We don't always feel like we're living an abundant life. And and I think often we're not. Uh, But we get glimpses of it. And we get glimpses of what it can be. And I think one of the reasons we don't get it all now is because... I'm not sure we deal with it all well now. But actually, we get these glimpses to show us there is more. There's always more. There's more to come. And actually, there's a song, isn't there? Greater things are yet to come. And I think that's true. Two years ago, I was done with church. I'd had enough. Now I'm thinking, I feel better about church than I've ever felt. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? Because God takes you on and you just have no idea how he's doing it. But then you think, wow, there's an abundance here. It's not just God saying, all right, I'll let you have a bit of fun. No, there is more than you can ever ask for or imagine. There is an abundance that is coming. And there is an abundance for now. We don't have to wait. In fact, I've just remembered another song. I'm not going to sing it, no. I can't remember. The, I'm just trying to think of the. I don't. I'm not here just to. I want to thrive, not just survive. And actually, I think it's a saying that's been incorporated into a Switchfoot song, which is a great song, isn't it? It's a great song. Um, uh, I want to thrive, not just survive. I'm not here just to struggle through. I'm here for all that God's got for me. I'm here for abundance. And you know what? It says in the Bible I can have it. So when I don't feel like I've got it, I'm going to ask for more of it. Why not? If it says I can have it, I'm going to ask for it. What's the key, though? What's the key to live an abundant life? I don't feel particularly qualified to tell you because I'm not sure I completely understand it myself. But I think it's this. This verse has come in the context of Jesus saying, I am the door. What's the key to an abundant life? Jesus. 
it's not difficult, is it, really? We need to focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the struggles, focus on Jesus, because everything pales into insignificance compared to him. In fact, I'm sure I've done this before. I, I, I know I did. I gave an illustration where, actually, if I look at you and you're my abundance, let's say, and this is my problem, it's much smaller than you. But if I focus on my problem, I can't see any of you. We focus on the wrong things. Focus on Jesus for an abundant life. That's what we need to do. It's Jesus that gives us the abundance. So focus on him. And Jesus says, it's one of the reasons I came. Says it in this passage. One of the reasons I came is to give you an abundant life. We can ask for it. We can enjoy it. Go for it. Let's keep running after him and see what he does. So. My time's up, so I'm going to draw this all together and finish off. So what we've looked at is a picture painted by the words of Jesus of the door. A door to a sheepfold. Entrance to the presence of God. We have a way in to God's presence. We have security in God's presence. And we take God's presence out with us and signpost others to God's presence. But not only that, but to an abundant life as well. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about this? Well, I've just got a few things here that I think might be significant for people in this. For some, it may be that you need to step through that door for the very first time. You don't know Jesus as your saviour. You don't know him. Well, you can do that. You can do that. you, You can become part of God's family very, very easily. And you can do it today if you don't know him. And if you don't know him, then just come and speak to us afterwards and say, I don't and I want to know more. Ask us, question it, and we'll tell you all there is to tell you. For others, I think there may be others here who've just been a bit afraid of losing what you have, losing that relationship with God, because you're struggling with something, a particular area of sin or something you want to change in, and you're just getting frustrated and you think, I keep getting it wrong, God's just going to dismiss me he's not interested in me anymore I have really blown it do you know what you haven't you can't because if you can if you can lose your salvation by the things you do that means you can gain it by the things you do and we know that's nonsense you can't gain it by the things you do so you're not going to lose it by the things you do because there is grace for you and so you could always approach God no matter what you've done so if you're feeling just a bit fearful that you are losing the presence of God you are you are you can't come before him because of things you've done actually that's wrong Jesus died so you could approach him with anything at any time do it you cannot lose that nothing's going to snatch you out of the hand of our loving father please don't fear it maybe the holy spirit maybe he's prompting you today about venturing out Is it time to go again? Is it time to come out of the healing and sanctuary of the sheepfold and go again? That he's called you to do something and you're thinking, I'm not sure I've got the courage. I'm not sure I'm ready. Actually, you're ready. Let's go again. You don't go alone. We do it together. Supported, loved. It's time to venture forth into all that God's got for you. 
And for some of us, it's just making sure that Jesus is our focus, not the problems. That he is our focus for that abundant life. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're the door. Thank you that you explained that to us. Thank you for the picture that it paints for us. And thank you that you've given us a way to the Father. Thank you that we can come into your presence. And Father, I pray for all those who have just been fearful. Pray, give us that assurance of our salvation. Give us that assurance of your presence being available and open to us all the time, constantly, that we can always approach you. Lord, we approach you now. We approach you now. If you, if you felt like that, if you felt that kind of fear, just approach God now. Just come before him and just lay it all out before him. You can do that quietly. You may need to do that noisily somewhere at some point. Just pour it all out in front of him. But just take those steps towards him. Repent of feeling that fear of approaching him and then come into his presence and know that he's there for you with, a, with wide arms, ready to hold you, ready to shelter you, ready to be that security for you. Just come before him now. Father, we come before you now. Pray we'll know your presence by your spirit, that we will know it falling upon us. Presence of God. Holy Spirit, come upon us where there needs to be healing from those things. Just heal now, I pray. Father, for those who have been knocked down and are just wondering whether it's time to venture forth, give them courage. Courage to go again. Courage to get up. Courage to step out. Courage to step into all you've got for them. And God's calling a number of people here to go again. Go again. Get up and go again. It'll be different this time. Yes, it's not, it's not going to be easy, but there are things that you've learned that you're going to take forward and things are going to be greater than they were before. If you're feeling that lack of courage, just know that God's got greater things for you. It's time to go again. So do it, whatever that is. Go again into all the abundance God's got, God has got for you. And Jesus, we pray for all of us. We want to know more of your abundant life. We want to know more of your abundance on us. We want to know more of your presence. I pray that we will know more of your abundance. Help us to focus on you, Jesus. We want to focus on you. Father, thank you for your presence with us. We love you. We adore you. And we thank you. Amen.